Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Hey, good to see you. Good morning. God bless you. Before we jump into the sermon, we got a little announcement prayer thing. If, if Sue Brower and uh, Sarah Swyatt, are you still here? Where's Sarah? Here you go. Come on up to the front quickly. Yeah, give him a hand. Good thing. <clears throat> so uh, Sue Brower has been leading the prayer team ministry for uh, some time now. She's done a great job, but uh, uh, in the season of her life, she's uh, winning her uh, battle in uh, overcoming <laughs> the affliction. And we're believing for her and praying for that complete victory and vigorous health. But I uh, thought it would be best to hand off the leadership of the prayer team. And Sarah uh, has volunteered to uh, lead the prayer team. Sarah also works now for Kalamazoo House of Prayer. And so she's actually engaged in prayer ministry and promoting prayer ministry in our city. And so I thought it dovetailed perfectly um, the transition as well. And so we just want to thank Sue. Why don't you all thank Sue for organizing and leading the team. And thanks, Sarah, for taking it over. All right. Why don't you join with me as we, as we uh, say a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for Sue. We thank you for the faithfulness she has demonstrated in leading the prayer team and, and praying faithfully for all the needs throughout the week as well as uh, during the services. Father, we bless her and continue to pray for vigorous health, Father, from the top of her head to the bottom of her toes, Father, that every cell in her body would be completely cancer-free and, and free from all the effects of uh, that affliction that we cast off. In Jesus' name, we impart grace in Jesus' name. And we just pray uh, and lay hands on Sarah as she takes on this mantle of leadership, uh, that she would lead the prayer team into this next stage and that uh, you would just give her grace and wisdom and patience to um, just lead the team of people that volunteer to pray for the needs and, and that uh, we would continue to see uh, the miracles of healing and salvation and uh, uh, all the different things that we see, regular stream of testimonies of your goodness simply by being faithful to hold up these needs to you in prayer. So we bless Sarah as she takes us on in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, there we go. You may be seated. All right, thank you so much. Yeah, give him another hand. <clears throat> so we are um, in the midst of a, a new series. And um, even though the three journeys that we spent the last year uh, talking about. Uh, we're not teaching on those three journeys, but we're hoping you all are continuing to advance in the journeys of spiritual growth, upward, inward, and outward spiritual growth. Uh, we're going to continue uh, to teach on other topics throughout the year, beginning the year with this Maxed Out series um, concerning how to, uh, let's see how we say, making space for meaning in a crowded life. Everybody's life gets crowded, gets filled up. No matter how much time you have, it seems like you never have enough time uh, because something fills every void. And so we want to address that. It's just something that we all face. Uh, early on, we're taking six or seven weeks to discuss different aspects of uh, feeling maxed out. Now, one thing I want to make clear is that this is not a self-help um, 
discussion or a lecture. And, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with self-help principles or uh, different advice that you can get. But uh, at church, we're concerned with teaching the Bible uh, and God's Word. And so this is biblical help to increase meaning and purpose and balance the demands uh, that crowd out what's important. And um, specific uh, areas of life, today I'm going to be talking about financially uh, being fin financially maxed out and some principles from Scripture. There's lots and lots of great resources uh, uh, that you can get. Uh, who's it famous? Or Dave Ramsey and Randy Elkhorn also is a great uh, resource for financial planning and wisdom. And the Bible speaks a lot about that. And the different areas of being maxed out um, that you can uh, get uh, good practical help in. But we want to look at some scriptures to give us a foundation from God's Word about how to respond. The key verse that we're using, our theme verse for the series, is found in Philippians chapter 4. I'm just going to read that, verse 11 through uh, 13. This is Paul replying to a church in Philippi, writing a letter to them. He says, not, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. This is really the key verse for the series. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength or strengthens me. How many are familiar with that verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so that's really the idea that we're going to apply to different aspects of being maxed out in life today, as I said, about financially. But Paul writes this amazing statement, I've learned the secret of living in every situation. Don't you want to know a secret? What's Paul's secret? You know, wasn't there a book a few years ago? Remember that book, The Secret? My mom got all excited about that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't bother to read it because I already knew the secret. <laughs> it's in the Bible. It's been around. The secret is I can do all things through Christ. I really believe that this is, this is the, the thing that Paul knew, and, and not just knew. You know, you need to believe something. You need to actually live it out. Uh, you can know something intellectually, but not actually believe it, not actually uh, base your life and act on, on something that you know. But when you act on what you know, then, then you're really believing it. And uh, one of the words that's really key in there, you, you might not have thought this as being a key word because it's just a preposition, and we often just read over that, but the word through is really important. Uh, through Christ, it, it just means it can be translated in, by, with. It's a primary preposition uh, noting uh, you know, position, being fixed okay, in, in place, time, or state because it can be used in any context. In this context, it's being fixed or being in, uh, placed in Christ. And uh, I like that, the word by implication, instrumentality. It's a big long word that means means. The means or the instrument by which you can do all things is Christ. Or the, uh, the, and, and again, it does mean doing all things, but remember the concept, the context that Paul uses this phrase is that whether he's hungry or full, whether he has a whole bunch of money or nothing, he can do that. He can live in that, and he can be content. <clears throat> and so it's uh, because Paul knew that uh, the way that he, uh, the instrument or the means uh, 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 that by which he relates to everything is Christ, he can be at rest in Christ 
irregardless of whatever issue or a circumstance that he's facing. And so uh, yeah, my kids are great at drawing graphics. I'm not so great. Um, in fact, I'm horrible at it. <laughs> so I just did a simple printed thing. You know, there's all things, and there's Jesus, and there's me. So Jesus comes between me and all things. Nothing gets to me unless it comes through Jesus. All right? And, and the reverse of that is true. I don't have any contact or relationship or when you live this way uh, you don't have context or a relationship directly with anything except through christ everything passes through and so we're going to illustrate this andy you want to want to be my, an illustration so it, it, yeah let you stand there and you'll be you Oh, good. <laughs> I have the skill set. <laughs> and Joe will be, Joe will be a, a, a bill collector, finances, yeah. And so you're wanting to get to Andy because she owes you money. And I'm Jesus. Hi, can I help you? I need Andy. You need Andy. What, yeah. what do you need Andy? She owes me money. She owes you money. All right, just be at peace. We'll, we'll deal with that. And then... then uh, Andy then relates to her need by going through who? Jesus. I'm representing Jesus. So the idea is nothing can get to Andy unless it comes through Jesus. Unless, now if Andy bypasses Jesus, and this is what sometimes Christians do, if our, then, yeah. <laughs> Jesus! Wait, Jesus! No. Jesus is right. Simple little illustration. <laughs> I, used to be a, I used to be in sales, and, uh, and some companies had really good you know, people that came in between. You could never get to the decision maker because they had really effective PAs or, or administrators. I wouldn't let you talk to the person in charge. And my job was actually getting around that person. Um, and it's not easy. And we need to understand that when we're in Christ, Jesus is the mediator. Okay, and so every every interaction we have, whether it be financial, whether it be circumstantial, whether it be relational, we need to understand that being in Christ enables us to do, as Paul says, or to accomplish whatever we're called to do if it's in Christ. And so that's the idea we want to apply. And we can be at rest in the midst of whatever circumstance because we're in Christ and Jesus Christ is Lord of all. All right. Becoming in Christ requires us to acknowledge that Jesus is who he claimed to be. He is God the Son. And that Jesus uh, humbled himself and came down onto earth and took on the form of a man. And we read his story in the Gospels that he lived out a, a life of purity. He taught God's word. He demonstrated God's power with healing and victory over every circumstance. He lived a sinless life. And then he died on the cross, lowered himself to the lowest point, and took on the penalty of our sin. And so if you believe that to be true, and then you respond to that belief by making a commitment that Jesus Christ is your Lord, that you're going to follow Him, you're going to serve Him, that, 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 that aligns you with Him. And in, in, in actuality, that means, you, especially once you get baptized into Christ, you're baptized into His death, and you're raised into the resurrection life of Christ, you are positioned in a spiritual sense in Christ. And that's the way you're supposed to live your whole life. And that enables you to be at this place of rest, even though 
all around you may be chaos or, or, or needs or distresses or overwhelming situations, you can do that. I can do that. Why? Because you're in Jesus. All right? And Jesus is Lord. As long as we stay in Jesus and don't bypass him, we'll have that contentment that uh, Paul talked about. And so we're going to apply this <clears throat> to being overworked and under-resourced. Right? <laughs> this is funny. We were discussing the titles and overworked and unresources, and Jimmy was like, I really want to hear you, <laughs> me, <laughs> teach on this. Because Jimmy sees that I'm overworked and under-resourced. This is my life. <laughs> you know? And we just sit around and think of more things to do. <laughs> and we're hardly getting done what we're doing already, and we want to do more. Uh, and how are we going to do it? We'll figure that out. And so I don't think there's ever been a time in my life where I've had enough money. Um, I don't know about you, some people may have that, but regardless of how much money I have, I'm going to want to do something more and, and believe more. So, uh, um, uh, and so there's this, there's, this, there's this reality of life that there, there is a need, there's, there's need, but we understand that that's just a normal part of life. Jesus, read the Gospels. He, I, don't, I don't ever see him fretting over money. Um, he talks about money a lot. Most of his illustrations use money uh, as, uh, to teach uh, uh, principles. And, and, and because finances is such an important part of everybody's life, Jesus teaches a lot about the, how to use finances in a way to glorify God and how um, to demonstrate faith by finances. But you never see him fretting over a collection <laughs> you know, or drumming up the crowd to take an offering. Um, and then he, I love when he... Um, Jesus, at the end of his, uh, after he was resurrected, he's about to ascend into heaven, and he tells the disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him, and, and so go, you know, hey guys, there's only a level of them at that point, go, go conquer the world, take this message to the ends of the earth, preach the gospel to every creature. You know, but he didn't tell them how to finance it. He said, this is how it's going to be paid. He says, just go do it. <clears throat> you know, and you think, well, Wow. And the principle here, the idea I want you to communicate is that vision uh, leads to provision. All right? Vision leads to provision. And so when Jesus said, go to the ends of the earth, he really meant it. And you know what? We're, we did, they did it and we're still doing it. And when you have the vision that's from Christ, in Christ, and according to Christ's uh, command, God's going to find a way to get you the provision. There's never been a time, I've been on many, many, many mission trips, there's never been a time where I had the money to go on the mission trip before I decided to go. Not once do I, oh, I got $10,000, what am I going to do with it? That has never been the case. I'm like, we're going to go to, I'm gonna, a few years ago, I took my, whole, my, my wife and my two boys, all of us, we're going to go to Japan on a mission trip. We just, last year we took five, a team of five, and, and we had to believe for the money to come in. But I make the decision based on, I believe God's calling me to do this. And if he's calling me to do this, I have the vision for it. And it, it translates not only to mission trips, it tr translates to, you know, uh, repairing the house or, or buying a new car and, and the different needs that come up in life. This needs to be done. Let's find a way to do it. The vision comes first, and then the provision comes. But there's a healthy tension, and, and this is actually a good and healthy tension that comes from living in faith. And so don't be discouraged that you feel like you don't have enough because that just means you're normal, all right? <laughs> it's just part of life. It's the tension 
that God's called you to and, and learning how to manage that tension in Christ is really the key to contentment and not becoming overwhelmed by either lack or overabundance of, of opportunities or situations that you might have. So let's unpack this a little bit more. <clears throat> Paul is actually, this letter and this very famous quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it's actually, a th- that, that part of the letter is thanking the Philippians for sending them money. And so this famous quote is, is actually in the context of finances. This is a passage about money, about finances, about wealth. And this verse is an expression that Paul coined when he was writing this to the, Thessalon- uh, to the Philippians. But the very next verse, it started out, I, I, I don't have any need. I've learned to be content in everything. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you so much. He says, nevertheless, you've done well, and you did a good thing, and that you shared in my distress. Hmm. He just said he didn't have any need, but now he's saying actually he was in distress. And the context there, he was in financial distress. Because they, met his, they, they shared in that need, and the need was money, because that's what they sent him. All right, and so this is, this is just a open up our eyes and see the real situation that was going on with a real person, the name was Paul, who was living by faith and he was in distress financially, but because he was in Christ, he could be content. And God met that need through other believers who provided for their need, that need. All right? And the generosity that they demonstrated by sending money to him while he was in a different town. So uh, Paul was able to deal with being distressed and still be at rest because he was positioned, he was fixed, he, was, uh, 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 he, he saw himself always in Christ, and Jesus came between him and the need, and therefore when the provision came, it came through Christ as well. And so when we start seeing all of our provision and all of our needs and relating to every uh, financial uh, situation in our life through our relationship with Jesus Christ, it changes, changes the, uh, how we see and how we respond to every, every situation. So this is a key truth to knowing how to be content and to being free, fruitful and being able to say, like Paul said, you know what, I can do all things. Uh, in other words, I can handle any situation, anywhere, anytime, anything, because I'm in Christ, and Christ is Lord over everything, everywhere, all the time. All right, and so as long as you're in Christ, it doesn't matter. Are those distresses real? Absolutely. But you can stay in a place of contentment because you're in Christ and he is Lord of all. So there's three quick things that we can learn from this. One is that Christ, Jesus, must always be between us and our money or finances. Now that may be the lack of finances or the abundance of finances or how you relate to any uh, financial decision or act christ comes between you and that and that money or finances or lack or overabundance doesn't come between you and him and so this is what happens a lot of times maybe people get a great job i've seen it people get a great job they're financially affluent they don't have as much need you never see them at church anymore you know they they bypass jesus because they got their they got they were resting in the security of financial provision that's not a safe place to rest, okay? And so we want to make sure that we handle our finances through Christ 
and never, never uh, sidetrack that or never get around. Uh, second principle is be generous. All right? Uh, the, the, the letter was written as a response to the generosity of the Philippians. And sure, it blessed Paul to receive that financial gift. But think of this. That verse continues to bless people. How many thousands of people or millions of people throughout the years have been comforted and encouraged by Paul's statement, I can do all things through Christ. Well, it was written as a response to, to the Philippians' generosity. Think about that. And when they get to heaven, when they get the reward, they're not going to just get a reward for blessing Paul. They're going to get a reward for blessing everyone that read and was encouraged by that response. And generosity just means giving some of what you have. It doesn't mean giving what you don't have. Maybe you don't have any money. Give time. Maybe you have more time than you have money, or maybe you have wisdom in some area or a skill set that, that uh, you can use to bless someone else, either in church or out of church, someone, your neighbor. Find ways to give what you have away. Whatever you have, find a way to share. Because that releases a blessing. That's what Paul says uh, uh, the next following verses. He says, I don't seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. That's part one. And part two is that God shall supply all your needs. The Philippians' generosity did two things. It credited their account, their heavenly account, in some way that I think they're going to get a reward for it. I don't know how the economy of heaven works, but I believe it. That they, they receive the benefit and they will receive a benefit because of their generosity. But also they get the promise that God's going to supply their need. Being generous doesn't mean you have everything in your life met. If you're waiting for that to be generous, you'll never be generous. Because there's always more need. But if you're generous, God then, it, it almost demands that God steps up and makes sure your needs are met. And so that's a powerful truth that we can live and apply on a day-by-day -day basis. And the third thing we can learn from this verse is that to be grateful. Uh, um, find ways to, be, uh, to express gratitude. And Paul's expression of gratitude was writing this letter and communicating that you can do all things through Christ. He also wrote to another church in Thessalonica. He said, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Oh God, what do you want me to do? What, what do you want me to do? Well, this is it. This applies to everyone all the time. Be grateful. Give thanks. And the verse is worded in a a very clear way that it doesn't mean we're thankful for everything because you know if your car breaks down i'm not really thankful that my car broke down you know but i can be grateful that i had a car that could break down because a lot of people don't have cars all right i can be grateful that i i have a confidence that god's gonna be able to fix this or he's gonna provide for it um, I may not be grateful when the doctor tells me a diagnosis that isn't pleasant, but I can be grateful that God's give, given me the opportunity to live in a country where I have a doctor that I can go to, and I'm not stuck in some shack in the middle of nowhere uh, with no hope. And, and I can be grateful that even in the midst of a distressful time, I have a God who is close. He's always he's present. He's a, a very present help in time of need. I know that. And I can have that confidence. And so I can be grateful in every circumstance, even if the circumstance is difficult. And so financially, this means we have to choose. It's a choice. 
to be generous and to be grateful regardless of your financial state. Find ways to be generous, find ways to be grateful, and find ways to make sure Jesus is uh, managing your relationship to uh, possessions and that uh, you're you're turning to Him and carrying your life to Him and not to those around you. Okay, we're going to switch. And since uh, Jimmy had everyone stand and read a psalm, uh, I I thought, hey, let's do that, and pretty soon we'll be Lutheran. So stand up. We're going to read the gospel portion. This is long. It's four whole slides, and I didn't quite make it through the first time, so you might have to help me. All right? So this is Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount concerning money and finances. All right, ready? One, two, three, go. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet they say even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now God, who so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Amen. You may be seated. I know, it was a long portion of that. How am I going to keep their attention without reading all that? So... If you stood up, you wouldn't fall asleep. Three times in that passage, Jesus said, Therefore, do not worry. Therefore, do not worry. Therefore, do not worry. And a real basic Bible rule is, if you see the word therefore, find out what it's... Therefore, very good. And so, preceding the three therefores, do not worries... He actually gives three truths that we must apply, and if we apply those, we'll be able to not worry. That's the basic point. First one was, do not lay up treasure on earth, but lay up treasure in heaven. And so we need to have what I would call a heavenly value system and learn how to invest in heavenly stuff. 
And I'm not saying you don't invest anything on earth because this is actually not talking about after you're dead. In heaven means where, where God is, not just after you're dead. Everyone reads this and think that Jesus is talking about, you know, heaven is after you die. <clears throat> What's that? Yeah, put it in them as like this spiritual bank. But what it is, is where is, is God in this? Is, this, is, is God into this, this, this endeavor? Is God in this business? Is this where God wants me to put my money? Then it's a heavenly investment. Yeah, it means donating to charity. It means giving to the church. It means being faithful with your tithe. Absolutely. But the idea there is that you're investing in a heavenly principled thing, something that has value heavenly and not just to earthly things. Earthly things erode, they die, they wear out. Uh, heavenly things last eternally. Heavenly most often has something to do with investing in other people uh, because you know, the only thing that lasts eternally is a soul, uh, right? <laughs> and so when you, and when you make wise investments in, in things that God's into, you're going to see a return that lasts forever. And that's what Jesus is saying. Uh, and he's also saying, you know, where is your treasure? And this is, this is a takeaway. This is what you need to leave and think about is asking yourself, where is your treasure? Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And you want to know where your heart is, look at where, you, where you're funneling your money. Because that's, that's really where your passion is. Or that's, that's where you're, that's, it may be maybe not what you're excited about, but that's what you're spending. You know, money is just time and effort translated into dollar bills. Uh, and so it's, it's, where is all of that going? And you need to ask yourself, where is your treasure? And then how do, you, how do you demonstrate what you value most? In other words, if your values, if, if what you hold in, in, in your spirit and what you desire to value most is not where all your money is going, maybe you need to change how you're spending your money. Now, keep in mind, <clears throat> providing for your family is a heavenly goal. All right? I have a family. I have kids. I want to save a comfortable place for them to live and so you know the household bills and buying groceries and paying the heating bill you know that's not just fruitless spending that's I spend that because I care for my family and so that's an investment into my family and family is a very very good thing it's a heavenly thing and, and automobiles, you, you need to get to work. You need to take your uh, kids to places. You need to have a reliable transportation. So that, that can be heavenly or it can be earthly if it's just, uh, you know, my motorcycle might fall into that category. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that motorcycle generates a lot of Thanksgiving. <laughs> I rode it yesterday and I was thanking God the whole time. I was praying tongues the whole time I'm doing it. Rumba, ba, 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 So... <clears throat> It's a challenge though. you need to connect you need to connect Christ with every dollar in a meaningful way. And so uh, how, where's the connection or is it completely uh, not connected? And then you go, oh, maybe that's not maybe that's not a heavenly investment. Um, <clears throat> next slide. There we go. Second thing we can learn from Jesus's uh, passage there is if your eye is bad or evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. Like what is that all about? Right in the middle of this passage, he starts talking about anatomy. <laughs> um, but it has had a lot of meaning because that expression of an evil eye was a Jewish uh, term and idiom for a uh, Jewish term for someone that was greedy or covetous. Ooh, I want some of that. Yeah. 
constantly looking at other people or uh, being, getting upset when someone else has more than you have. That's someone with an evil eye. And Jesus said if you're greedy, it's your whole life, your whole body, everything else about you is going to be dark. And the opposite of that is to be light. You know? And so if your eye isn't greedy, if, you, if, you don't, if you're not constantly wanting to, uh, you know, and, and being critical of someone that has more than you, um, then your whole body can be filled with light because that's, that's being generous. That's being good. That's reflecting Christ's character. Um, you know, commercialism is the word we use for that today. And that really drives our entire economy. Um, you know, every product, uh, the, mark, the shelf life of a product now is, is measured in, in weeks, where it used to be years. They'd design a toaster and expect it to sell for five or ten years. And now every design is designed to sell for a, a few weeks or months. Seriously. And so it, because there's this, we, just, we live in a world that, uh, that is run on, on marketing and capitalism. And so we have to figure out as Christians, how do we place Christ between us and that commercial drivenness of our economy and our culture? And this is something you have to answer for yourself. And the way you answer it will be different than the way I answer it. But if we're going to live in Christ, then Christ has to mediate. He has to come uh, uh, between. We want to filter all of those commercials and how we respond to the commercials and how we respond to the, the need for the newest phone or the next phone. Do we need a phone? In this world, I need a phone. Uh, we do so much. But I want to I mediate that. I want to go through Christ so I don't just get obsessed with something maybe I don't really need or, or, or the level I don't need it. And so learn how to buffer, if you will. It's another great term. Um, the pressures of living in a, in a society where everybody is measured by how much stuff you have. Uh, measure that by Jesus who lived his whole life possessing nothing. You know? It's a big difference, isn't it? Uh, as far as we know, he owned nothing. And uh, he's, he rules the world. All right, the third thing we can learn, <coughs> the third uh, rule that Jesus prefaced before he... Uh, said do not worry is no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other you cannot serve god and mammon lays it on the line mammon is is an, a, a word in their day another idiom that everyone in the audience understood it was wealth personified okay so it really means uh, a good translation would be any possession whether it be financial, whether it be land, whether it be your boat uh, or your collection of Star Wars figures. <laughs> Mark's not here, so. <laughs> Any possession. You can't serve uh, God and stuff. You, you're going to end up serving one or the other. And Jesus said, in order to not worry, you need to serve God, not stuff. Right? <clears throat> You need to love God, not stuff. And you need to be loyal to God, not stuff. And where this really boils down to is when that stuff gets taken away, how do you respond? And if it gets taken away and you go, oh, thank you, God. Hallelujah. You know, but if you're... Yeah. Where's your heart at? Serve God, 
love God, be loyal to God, and that uh, allows you to be aligned properly so you don't worry. And these are really heart issues, serving, loving, being loyal. Uh, when, when your heart is right, in right relationship with God, then you can have right relationship with stuff. You can have right relationship with possessions because you're going through Christ and everything in the world is coming through Christ before they get to you. And that's how you can have peace, like Paul did, and you can be content, whether he was hungry, starving, uh, shipwrecked, or living uh, in a palace. He can be content in all things. You can be content if you're uh, fixed in Christ. So having a heavenly value system, having a generous eye, uh, having God over stuff enables you to not worry. And it's just a few things to close. Uh, you can play. Um, a couple of homework assignments. These, this, these are kind of practical things. I want you to think through how you spend your money over the next pay period, whether it be a week, a month, however you get paid, and connect the line between each expenditure and what value it displays. So really do this. When you're, when you're paying bills... If you're like me, I sit down twice a month and I have a list of all my bills and I pay each bill. And I pay the tithe first, even though I do it all on the computer. <laughs> uh, say, okay, this is demonstrating my value for family. This is demonstrating my value for God and church. This is demonstrating my value for missions. And, and each thing, and, and if there's something that comes up and you go, I don't know what value that's demonstrating, then you need to, you need to pray about it. You need to ask, ask God to Reveal the heart issue. And the other thing you need to do is identify worries. And so if the Bible says if you live by those, those truths, you don't have to worry. And so if you're worrying, maybe or likely one of those truths is not, not in its proper place in your life. Maybe you are not ha living by a heavenly value system. Maybe your eye isn't good. Maybe you're a little too greedy. You're comparing yourself to someone else. Or maybe, uh, you know, God's not over your, over your stuff. You're serving stuff or you're uh, loving stuff or you're being, your loyalty is misplaced. So, so if you just tell somebody that's worrying, don't worry, that doesn't help. <laughs> uh, but, okay, identify the worry and try to figure out if it lines up to one of these uh, truths that Jesus said positions us to be free from worry and then work on that truth and worry will go away because the promise is you can do all things if you're positioned in Christ all right no matter how overworked or under-resourced you are you don't want to be maxed out you want to live to the max that Christ provides and he wants you to be more than a conqueror right would you join with me in a word of prayer Father, we come and we ask in Jesus' name that whether we're in need or we have more than we've ever had in our lives and we don't know how to invest it properly, that in every situation we would have peace and contentment. Father, I pray for everyone here that we would have an abundance, that we could meet all of our needs, our family needs, and have more to give away, as your word says. But more than that, I pray that we're all found in you. And we have the peace that passes understanding because we've placed our lives in your hands. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. All right, listen, we have our uh, prayer team and our Rama team on uh, my left, your right, this side of the stage. 
The Rhema team will minister to two or three people each service, uh, and they will share a word from God's Word to encourage you, to exhort you, to comfort you. It's a very personal ministry and encourage people to take advantage of it um, uh, from time to time. Uh, on the other uh, further side is our prayer team, and you can go up there every week and receive prayer for any need that you may have, and they will stay as long as need be to pray for you. If you have a healing need, be sure and get healing. Uh, uh, we've seen a lot of healing come through that. Um, otherwise, um, you can request prayer for any, anything whatsoever. They love to pray for people, and we encourage you to take advantage of it. Otherwise, stand up. If you have kids and children ministry, please go get your children first and nursery or children's ministry uh, before you fellowship or come and get prayer, or else we'll auction them off on, on, on eBay. No, that was a joke. Get <laughs> your kids first and come back in. Everyone else stand up. Greet one another. God bless you. You are dismissed.